Daniel Webster History Stories Collection Daniel Webster was born of good Puritan stock in 1782 in New Hampshire. He was a very weakly child. No one dreamed that one day he would have an iron-like body. Daniel spent much of his time playing in the woods and fields. He loved the birds and beasts that he found there. He went to school, but the schoolmasters were not very learned, and Daniel could read better than most of them. The teamsters, stopping to water their horses, were glad to hear him read. He went to work in an old-fashioned sawmill, but he read books even there in odd moments of time. One day in spring, his father took him to Exeter Academy to prepare for college. The boys laughed at his rustic dress and manners. The timid little fellow was greatly hurt by their scorn. He finally entered Dartmouth College at the age of 15. He was simple, natural, and full of affection. Webster was the best student at Dartmouth. He still kept the reading habit. The students liked him. They had a feeling that he would amount to something some day. At this time he was tall and thin with high cheekbones. His eyes were deep set and his voice was low and musical in its tones. He loved to speak even then. At the age of 18, Webster gave the 4th of July oration in his college town. The speech was full of the love of country and of the Union. Then in its first days of trial, he never forgot his father's sacrifice in sending him to college. After he had finished at Dartmouth, Webster taught school in order that he might help his parents send his elder brother to college. He afterwards studied law, but he longed to fi finish his law studies in Boston. Finally, good fortune put in the office of Christopher Gore, a wise man, a great lawyer, and a statesman. In his office, Daniel Webster studied until he was given the right to practice law. Within a few years, he was earning enough to enable him to take a life partner, the beautiful and accomplished Grace Fletcher, the daughter of a minister. She made a delightful home for him and their children. Webster was gaining name and fame as a lawyer, but the approach of the War of 1812 drew him into politics. He was elected to Congress and took his seat in 1813. Henry Clay was Speaker of the House of Representatives. Webster's most important speech was in favor of a war carried on by the Navy. If the war must be continued, go to the ocean. There the united wishes and exertions of the nation will go with you. Even our party divisions cease at the water's edge. After the war, Webster left Congress for a number of years. He was now a great man. When he entered a room by his mere look and presence, he drew all eyes toward him and all conversation hushed. Inside, he looked larger and broader than he really was. His forehead was broad and massive. It towered above his large, dark, deep-set eyes. His hair was black and glossy as a raven's wing. He looked Thus, in 1830, in the Senate, when he made his famous speech in reply to Senator Hayne of South Carolina, Hayne had spoken against a protective tariff and in favor of nullification. Webster felt called upon to reply. He denied the right of a state to nullify law of Congress. He said that nullification was another name for secession. 
He closed his... But may I see our flag with not a stripe erased or polluted, not a single star obscured. His speech with these words, When my eyes shall be turned to behold, for the last time, the sun in heaven, may I not see him shining on the broken and dishonored fragments of a once glorious union. But everywhere, spread all over in characters of living light, blazing on its ample folds, as they float over the sea and over the land. That sentiment, dear to every American heart, liberty and union, now and forever, one and inseparable. We saw how South Carolina went on to, toward nullification and how Clay's compromise tariffs settled the difficulty. Webster strongly opposed this compromise and said that South Carolina should get out of the difficulty the best way she could. President Jackson was delighted and praised Webster in public and in private. When Harrison captured the presidency after the greatest campaign ever seen up to that time, he wanted the best man in the Whig party to advise him, so he made Daniel Webster Secretary of State. It was a sad day when President Harrison died, after being in office just one month. John Tyler of Virginia, the vice president, became the president. But he would not accept measures which Congress had passed. Daniel Webster left the cabinet after a time because he disliked the way Tyler was doing. He went back to the United States Senate where he joined Clay, supporting the Great Compromise of 1850. On March 7, Webster made his speech on the compromise entitled For the Union and the Constitution. It was an appeal to all persons to stand by the Constitution and the Union. In blaming both the North and the South, much to the surprise of everybody, he blamed the North more than the South. Because he did this, many of his supporters in the North, especially those in New England, turned their backs upon him. Webster was an old man now. Ever since 1832, he had looked forward to being nominated for the presidency, but his party always took some other man. His last days were made bitter and unhappy by the thought that some old friends had forsaken him. One bright spot of Webster lay in the fact that President Fillmore invited him to be Secretary of State again. After two years of service, he went back to Boston. He was received with joy by some of his friends and neighbors, and was hailed with shouts by the multitude. This must have made his heart leap with gratitude, for the praise of friends is pleasant. But men saw he was not like his former self. He went to his home at Marshfield, where he died October 24, 1852, the greatest figure in American politics in his day. Thank you.